and welcome to K-Pop Bookshelf. This podcast is where we will be exploring Korean popular culture through books. I'm the host of this podcast, Mina, and I can't wait to talk about books with you. The book that we are taking down from the bookshelf today is Bright by Jessica Jung. This is a special bonus episode about the book that is a sequel to the book Shine by the same author. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to my episode about Shine. And there's going to be spoilers in this episode, so if you haven't read Bright yet, please do so if you want to avoid spoilers. If you listened to my episode about Shine, you know that I did not recap the plot of the book, but rather tried to figure out what aspects of it may have been true to what trainees experienced in real life. And my episode about Bright will also be examining what might have actually happened in Jessica's life as a K-pop star turned fashion mogul. In my analysis of this book, I often refer back to a different book, K-Pop Live, Fans, Idols, and Multimedia Performance by Suk Yong Kim. I have a separate episode about this book. Please check it out if you are interested. Before we begin talking about Bright, let's recap Jessica's life and what happened to her career. This is going to sound very familiar to you if you listen to my episode about Shine. If you're a seasoned K-Pop fan, then you may not need any introduction to the author, Jessica Jung. She is a Korean-American former member of a K-pop girl group under SM Entertainment called Girls' Generation, also known as SNSD. They debuted in 2007, and in their prime as the number one girl group in Korea, they were known as the Nation's Girl Group. In order to make it easier to distinguish when I'm talking about the real-life girl group and the fictional girl group, I'll refer to Girls' Generation as SNSD throughout this episode except when quoting other people who refer to them as Girls' Generation. Jessica herself was a very popular member of SNSD, but her time with the group came to an end in 2014. While still a K-pop star, Jessica had started a fashion company called Blanc, later named Blanc & Eclair, which she says she did with the permission and support of her company and her fellow members. But in October 2014, it was abruptly announced that she was no longer an SNSD member. In their statement, SM Entertainment said that Jessica decided to step down from the group due to conflicts related to her business. A Wall Street Journal article from around that time in 2014 said, quote, The group's agency, SM Entertainment Company, on Tuesday told local media that Jessica, one of the group's lead vocalists, had been let go from the group due to disagreements over her business activities in fashion. The agency said the singer privately announced earlier this year her retirement from the group and later founded her fashion business, Blanc Group, without securing agreement from the agency, end quote. The same article goes on to state, quote, On Tuesday morning on Weibo, the China-based Twitter-like service, Ms. Zhang wrote that she had been informed of her exit from the group from the agency and the other eight members. She said she was, quote, devastated and added that she was pushed out, quote, for no justifiable reason, end quote. And then this article was updated the next day to say this, quote, Update. Ms. Jung on Wednesday rejected her agency statement that she quit voluntarily, saying she was forced out. In a statement released to local media, she said she secured the company's agreement before launching her fashion business in early August. But a month later, the agency and the group's other members demanded that she choose either her music career or her venture, a decision she declined to make, she added. Ms. Jung said the agency on September 16 agreed to letting her continue the business activity, but was told on September 29 that she was no longer a Girls' Generation member, end quote. After this incident, Jessica mainly focused on growing her fashion company and promoted a lot in Asian countries other than Korea. This led to some fans thinking that Jessica was blacklisted from Korean media. 
they thought SM implemented a blacklist, which they had previously done to members of JYJ. More on that later. Outside of the Weibo post, which was deleted shortly after it was posted, Jessica hasn't said anything more about the specifics of her departure from SNSD. The members of SNSD haven't said anything about her at all since she left. It's like she was never there. SM gave the official statements I mentioned earlier, and that's about it from them. As I said in the Shine episode, I wasn't an SNSD fan back in 2014, so if I have said anything that is incorrect, please reach out and let me know. One last thing I want to mention before getting into the book is that Jessica's younger sister, Crystal, was also a K-pop star under SM Entertainment when all this happened. Crystal was a member of the girl group FX, and she remained under SM Entertainment until the year 2020. Now, as I mentioned, Bright is the sequel to Shine, which came out in 2020. A brief recap now of Shine. Shine is a YA, that stands for Young Adult, novel about a teenage Korean-American girl named Rachel Kim who moves to Korea to be a K-pop trainee at DB Entertainment. The book deals with her relationships and rivalries with other trainees, as well as her normal school friends who are not in the K-pop industry. She also meets a male K-pop idol and begins a whirlwind relationship with him. But she is conflicted in her pursuit of elusive K-pop stardom and her loyalty to her family, especially her little sister Leia. At the end of the story, we find out that Rachel Kim was selected to debut with the girl group Girls Forever. Bright picks up five and a half years after Girls Forever debuted, and Rachel is now a young woman in her 20s. They're already one of the hottest K-pop groups and are used to a flurry of concerts, tours, fan events, and being together and all up in each other's spaces. Rachel Kim is no longer with her previous love interest from Shine, the superstar Jason Lee. Jason was formerly of the boy group Next Boys and is now a soloist who acts in dramas. Although their romance came to an end, they are still on very amiable terms and see each other at celebrity events. Rachel's little sister, Leia, is also in DB Entertainment now and is in a girl group called Say Go. A few of Rachel's fellow trainees from the book Shine are also characters who return for Bright, as they have also debuted in Girls Forever. Mina Chu, a girl from an extremely wealthy Chebol business conglomerate family, and Rachel's nemesis is one such character. Lizzie and Undi, two of the other DB Entertainment trainees, are also back. When Shine was released, people on the internet were trying to connect each individual character to whoever they thought was the corresponding real-life member of SNSD. But as I said in my Shine episode, I personally didn't think that. I thought that doing so would be a little too easy, and Jessica's more clever than that. I also thought that if Jessica had done that, it may seem to those members of SNSD, who, let's be real, definitely read Shine, that Jessica was still thinking about them and their trainee days. And I just don't think Jessica would give them that satisfaction. But full disclosure, while I enjoy SNSD, I'm not their number one hardcore fan. So if you are, and you are convinced that the characters in Shine are specific members, then I will defer to you, because you probably have more knowledge and insight than I do. I also said that it seemed to me that maybe the characters in Shine were amalgamations of real-life people Jessica encountered during her trainee days. But when I read Bright, I was like, okay, maybe some of these characters could be based on real people. And I don't know why exactly I think this, but the book Bright overall rings true. It just seems like Jessica's real life story. Whereas Shine seemed, to me, almost like it could have been the life of any K-pop trainee, and it seemed more rooted in fiction. I felt this especially because Shine has some really fantastical moments like getting swept away in a private jet to go on a date in Tokyo. And to be honest, the life of a trainee seems both grueling and monotonous. 
you just train and practice and try to stay awake. But Bright seems like a way more direct account of what happened to Jessica in her actual life, with some fictional elements thrown in. Let's talk now about the character of Leia. Leia is Rachel's little sister, and she has debuted in a five-member girl group called Sego. Sego, or Sego, I don't know how you pronounce it, like Girls Forever, is under DB Entertainment, so very similar to Jessica Jung's younger sister Crystal, who again was in the group FX under SM Entertainment. In Shine, Rachel was the only trainee who lived at home, and this was negotiated by Rachel's mom. In an article published in 2020, Jessica confirmed that her mom was really strict and that Jessica was only allowed to go to the company to train on the weekends, exactly like the character of Rachel. In Bright, post-debut Rachel dorms with her members, which she finds to be uncomfortable since there are nine girls all sharing this one apartment. Rachel arranged for her parents to make sure that Leia doesn't have to dorm even after her debut. From fan sites and random things I've read on the internet, Crystal didn't live in the dorm in real life either, at least not when FX first debuted. Later in the book, Rachel and Leia's parents moved to live closer to the DB Entertainment buildings, and I have read on fan sites that Jessica and Crystal's real-life parents lived close to SM as well. One point made about Leia in the book, which may have been true about Crystal, is Rachel's assertion that the Girls Forever members resented how quickly Leia was accepted into DB as a trainee and was able to make her debut. In the book, Jessica writes that other members of Girls Forever had siblings who were also trying to become idols. At least one of the members of the real-life group SNSD, Taeyeon, had a younger sister who was an SM trainee. But as far as I can tell, her sister never debuted, at least not with SM. In the book Bright, the fictional character of Lizzie is struggling to get her younger sister to debut within DB Entertainment. The fictional DB Entertainment decide that Rachel and Leia's sibling relationship can be used as a marketing tool and Rachel and Leia are given a reality show together. In real life, the Jung sisters did film a reality TV show called Jessica and Crystal in 2014. This was prior to Jessica's departure from SM and SNSD. They also filmed another season of the show in 2019. In the book, Girls Forever's Lizzie makes a snarky comment about Rachel being lucky to film a reality show with her sister Leia. It definitely points to some degree of jealousy that seems like it probably was true especially because working in entertainment often means you get to see very little of your family. Schedules are so hectic and often involve travel, and so for Crystal and Jessica, it was probably so great to have each other in the same music company and work together on a reality series. I could definitely see any other idol, not just SNSD members, being envious of that. Next, let's talk about the characters who make up the fictional K-pop group N and G. In the book Bright, NNG is a subunit comprised of two guys formerly of the boy group Royal Blue. Their group name, NNG, is a reference to their names, Namil and Gangnim. As many of you know, there are lots of duo subunits that are named by the members' initials like this in K-pop. If you listen to my K-pop Live episode, I talked about the JYJ law. This is a real-life law, so now we're back in the realm of reality and K-pop history. Basically, JYJ was a group of former members of TVXQ. TVXQ debuted in 2003, and in 2009, three of the members sued SM Entertainment for their unfair contract. They won that lawsuit, which resulted in the South Korean Fair Trade Commission to mandate that idle contracts cannot exceed a term of seven years. Later, those TVXQ members who had sued SM went on to form a new group called JYJ. But when they tried to promote on music shows, they found that they were unable to do so. The public, and in particular JYJ fans, came to believe that SM Entertainment was essentially blacklisting JYJ from Korean media. I have to say, JYJ's fan base went to bat for them on this. 
making such a fuss over it that JYJ was able to sue SM again, and this led to the creation of the JYJ law. The JYJ law prohibits this type of blacklisting in Korean media, and the law was passed in 2015. Also in my episode about Shine, I talked about how Jessica casually mentioned that although Idol signed a seven-year contract as a result of the updated contract law, there are also secret Swiss bank vaults containing another set of contracts signed and postdated for however many years, more than seven, as a way to bypass these laws. At the time I made the Shine episode, I was like, hello, does anyone know about these Swiss bank vaults? Are they real? Is Jessica just spilling industry secrets everywhere? Well, if she was, she maybe does it again in Bright. Going back to the fictional story of NNG in Bright, we are told that these two members, Namil and Gangnim, sued DB Entertainment over 13-year contracts. What a coincidence! Jessica, in her writing, references the seven years contract rules and again brings up these longer contracts. Except instead of bank vaults, in Bright, she says that the artists are given the option, but that word is in quotes, to sign a three-year extension which is all signed together at the same time and day. She goes further on to say that DB Entertainment, yep, not SM, definitely not SM, will just release a statement after the seven-year period is over, confirming that the artists have decided to sign on for an additional period of time with the company. Even though in actuality, they signed everything, the original seven-year contract and the quote-unquote extension, in the beginning of the contract term. So NNG are very obviously based on JYJ, right? Regarding the contract stuff, I am just a little bit surprised that she talks about the secret contract because we are normally never able to hear much detail about contracts. Who, if not Jessica, would know about these things though, right? So it seems it must be true. She would know about it times two because even if K-pop idols don't necessarily talk to their own members about their contracts, which is what we learned in my Shine episode, it seems likely that Jessica would talk to her own sister Crystal who was in the same company and signed the same contracts. And with regards to blacklisting, there's even a scene in Bright where Mr. No, who is essentially based off Lee Suman, the founder of SM Entertainment, tells executives from the TV channel Mnet, and by the way, Mnet gets no kind of alias or pseudonym, they are just called Mnet in the book, Mr. No tells the television executives from Mnet to pull NNG from the lineup of a televised concert, and that if they don't, he will pull all of his own artists off the show. That's how he displays his power as one of the big three at the time entertainment company CEOs. And it's especially interesting since it is rumored that Jessica herself was more or less blacklisted as a musician in Korean media once she left SM Entertainment. Now let's talk about the character of Alex John. And in case it's hard to understand my pronunciation of Korean family names, John is spelled J-E-O-N. Alex is the Korean-American love interest for Rachel in this book, and I'm sure everyone reading this book thought of Tyler Kwan. Tyler is Jessica's real-life Korean-American boyfriend, who she was dating prior to her departure from SM Entertainment. I don't want to get too much into Tyler Kwan and Jessica's personal relationship, but I will speak about some events that happened in real life that are also in the book. Tyler is the CEO of Coradel Entertainment, which is the company Jessica joined after leaving SM. I thought that the support that the character Alex gives to the character of Rachel when she's figuring out her fashion company to be really sweet and the epitome of a supportive boyfriend. Jessica said this in an article published by the Straits Times. She said, quote, Tyler is an accomplished entrepreneur. He agreed with the vision I had and has played an integral part in the success of the brand, supporting my vision and surrounding me with the right team and partners, end quote. Tyler seems to have been quite supportive of Jessica's venture, the fashion company she started as an idol and still owns Blanc and Eclair. 
Recently, there was some controversy regarding Blanc and Eclair's finances, and Tyler, who was a major investor in the company, was sued and forced to make a statement about it. I'm not going to get into that in this episode, but you can look it up if you like. In Bright, the character of Alex is someone who studied business, which Tyler also did, and it's through the help of Alex that Rachel approaches Mr. No, the CEO of DB Entertainment, to tell him how she plans to run her fashion line and also be an idol. Notably, she tells Mr. No that some royalties from her fashion line sales would go to DB Entertainment for the duration of her DB contract. I have no idea whether royalties from Blanc and Eclair were negotiated to go to SM Entertainment, but to me that's such a specific detail that I would not be surprised to learn that Jessica worked out some sort of similar deal with SM with regards to Blanc and Eclair. I also do think she went into any meetings with SM about her company armed with information and a plan that would show Isuman that her business venture would not interfere with her SNSD schedule. SNSD, after all, is part of Isuman's business. This is important information to know because, if it's true, it backs up Jessica's claims that SM Entertainment had given her their full blessing to start Blanc and Eclair. There's even the offer from the fictional Mr. No to make Rachel's fashion line something that's officially part of or a subsidiary of DB Entertainment, which Rachel pushes back on, as Jessica may have done if this really happened. In Bright, like Tyler, Alex uses his business contacts to help make Rachel's dream a reality, even introducing her to a Victoria Beckham-like character, a former member of a thrown-together, factory-manufactured girl group who became successful in her own right with her second career in fashion. In real life, Jessica reportedly looked up to Victoria Beckham, aka Posh Spice from the Spice Girls, and gosh, I hope there's some element of truth to this because that would be amazing. If not, it's still a really great fantasy that Jessica included in this book. In the book, too, Rachel is forced to explain to Alex, who is a normal guy not in the entertainment field, the fact that K-pop idols can't publicly date. In real life, Jessica and Tyler's relationship was exposed by Korean tabloid media, and that's something that's mirrored in the book to some extent. Rachel and other members of Girls Forever are caught by paparazzi while out on dates. As a K-pop fan, I've long read that entertainment companies pay off the tabloids to control dating news beyond what gets leaked, and that's always made sense to me. It would certainly explain why we never see BTS members, for example, on dates with any other celebrities and have their dating news confirmed. In the book, there is a part where both Rachel and her member Eunji are out on a double date, but the paparazzi photos taken from outside the restaurant capture only Eunji and her boyfriend. Mr. No brings them in to his office and says that the tabloid will release only those photos that would make the least fuss among the public. The condition is that the tabloid must be allowed a scoop confirming Unji's relationship. When Unji protests the fact that Rachel isn't facing the same dilemma, Mr. No points out that the paparazzi didn't get shots of Rachel and her date. It's pretty unfair. Later on, though, Rachel's boyfriend Alex is leaked to the tabloids, and that is something that happened with the real-life Jessica and Tyler, sadly. The character of Rachel is of the opinion that companies could do more to protect their artists than cave in to some of the tabloid media's demands. And I think that too, but what do I know? I do like how Jessica portrayed the way idols are forced to date long distance and by meeting up with each other wherever they could while also trying to hide from the paparazzi. I am sure that, like Rachel and Alex, idols have to use text messaging and video calls to keep their relationships going. Side note about idols dating, I found it so fascinating that, in the book, members of the same group would often have no clue that their fellow members, people with whom they spend almost every second, were in relationships. It reminds me of some of the stuff that former idol trainees Gina and Coco were saying in their videos about K-pop secrets. I talked about Gina and Coco's K-pop secrets videos in my episode about Shine. Next, we need to talk about yet another major parallel in the life of Jessica Jung and her fictional counterpart, Rachel Kim getting ousted from their group. 
Prior to this happening, there are small thoughts scattered here and there throughout the book where Rachel is considering what her life could be like after K-pop. And it makes sense. After you dominate in your field, you do need to make plans as to what should come next. What should come after your prominence wanes, especially in the entertainment industry where most people experience only short stints of fame and popularity. It is through this that Rachel, and possibly also in real life Jessica, starts to consider fashion as a real possible other career for themselves. It's not unusual for Korean idols to work multiple jobs while also being a pop star. They may get acting roles in dramas and movies, they may have solo albums or subunits, they may join the cast of a reality TV show or a variety show. In the K-pop Live book, we learn that SM Entertainment in particular wanted to use their idols in musical productions of Broadway shows. Jessica, who was an SM artist, wrote about one of the Girls Forever members starring in a musical, and in real life, some SNSD members did work on musicals, including Jessica herself. When idols have competing projects, it's not unusual for one or two members of a group to be absent for a particular comeback or event, since filming schedules and album preparation schedules so often conflict. In the case of boy groups, members who are conscripted to the military sit out concert and album participations entirely while their group just carries on without them. In the book, Jessica's character Rachel talks about how she saw the launch of a fashion brand to be another project on par with working on a musical or filming a drama. Yet as the book progresses, Rachel feels a growing sense that other members are very jealous of her fashion brand and the attention that it is generating. In the K-pop Live book, we learn that sometimes the parents of idols intervene when it comes to getting their star kids more screen time. The author of the book K-pop Live, Suk Kyung Kim, quotes the former director of SM Entertainment's A&R department. Quote, it is even customary for singers' managers to know the birthdays of TV producers' family members and send presents incurring their favor to get a spot on music programs for their singers, end quote. Although this example is about the managers of idols, I was thinking of this quote in the scenes where Rachel Kim learns that parents of Girls Forever members have complained to DB Entertainment over the fact that Rachel got her own fashion line. The parents were told by their Girls Forever daughters that they didn't know a thing about Rachel's fashion line, even though in the book, Rachel does talk it over with both DB and her fellow Girls Forever members. In real life, according to her Weibo post, Jessica Jung contends that she did have the blessing of both SNSD and SM Entertainment prior to starting her own fashion line. So this part seems to be at least somewhat rooted in truth, based on what we know. The most intense parts of the book are the ones that I don't want to talk about in too much detail because I really think it's worth reading Jessica's own words and own depiction of the events surrounding her departure from SNSD. The scenes where the fictional Rachel Kim is pretty much voted out of the group by her own members and her meeting with Mr. No all play out so dramatically and in such detail. I really can't help but think that it's a play-by-play account of Jessica's truth. Please feel free to disagree with me, but I feel like Jessica wrote in her diary or journal exactly what happened to her in real time back when she was being removed from SNSD, and that she referred back to this account when writing the book. And don't get me wrong, I don't know what personal disputes or arguments may have occurred between Jessica and the other members. I don't think it's as easy as, Jessica was perfect and always the kindest, nicest, best person ever, and all those girls are just jealous meanies. No, I highly doubt that. I'm sure that, given the opportunity, other members would have plenty to say with regards to their own memories and accounts of what went on during this time. But I do think that, from Jessica's perspective, this is how her departure from the group went. And I do want to point out that, based on everything I've read at least, her story has not changed once since 2014. That being said, the scenes are loaded with emotion, and we don't have anyone's word but Jessica's to go on, at least not yet. When Rachel sees her members in the dorm, 
and the atmosphere is ice cold, Rachel thinks to herself, quote, this isn't a hangout, it's an ambush, end quote. I totally got chills reading that, I must say. The character of Rachel maintains that she always wanted to be a K-pop star, first and foremost, and Jessica Jung says that too. So many interviewers have asked her whether she would just want to give up singing entirely, and she was always like, no, because Jessica's music came out about 10 years after her SNSD debut, I would venture to guess that for contractual reasons, Jessica couldn't make any of her own music until then, and so by default, she had to focus on building her fashion brand. But I really don't have any reason or any knowledge about this contract stuff. I'm just purely guessing. The scene with Mr. No finalizing her departure is honestly so intense, and ultimately I felt heartbreaking. If you're a fan of SNSD or just interested in this story, you have to get this book and read it. I don't want to give it all away here. After these scenes, just like the real-life Jessica, the character of Rachel makes a social media post to say her piece about her shocking departure from the group. The verbiage that Jessica used in real life in her Weibo post, according to an article in Billboard, is the following, quote, I'm devastated. My priority in love is to serve as a member of Gigi, Girls' Generation. But for no justifiable reason, I am being forced out, end quote. And that verbiage is what the fictional Rachel Kim uses in her fictional post as well. To wrap this up, I have to say, Bright is so much better than Shine, in my opinion. One reason for that, I think, is because the characters are more grown up. I like reading young adult fiction. I even sometimes like reading books for tweens, people who are not yet quite in their teenage years. But Bright touched on so many more interesting topics and it was so layered. Like I already said, I think Jessica used both books as a vehicle to tell her truth. I recommend this book to anyone who is a fan of K-pop. I also think Jessica waited until Crystal was safely out of SM and part of a different company before coming forward with this story. Like I said in the Shine episode, I am so impressed with Jessica, honestly, and I think she's so brave to keep going with her fashion and her music after such a devastating time in her life. Even today, in June 2022, Jessica is competing on a Chinese girl group survival show. I guess she's on a Chinese show because it's still difficult for her to get on Korean shows? I'm not sure. And if you don't know what a survival show is, it's something like American Idol or X Factor, where you compete to join a pop group. No matter what, Jessica continues to get the last word on her career. As a reminder, you can reach me on social media on Instagram at kpopbookshelfpod and on Twitter at kpopbookshelf. You can also email me at kpopbookshelfpod at gmail.com. Be sure to check my blog to see the sources I used for researching this episode. The links in my bio and show notes will take you there. Special thanks to AO for designing my blog. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend about this podcast. Okay, thanks. Bye.